Baptist Temple in Kansas City and invited me to come up there and spend some time uh, with them, which I gladly did. Uh, <laughs> I'm ashamed to say he didn't ask me to come up there and preach. He wanted to be a pitcher on their fast pitch softball team, and he didn't know how to do anything. And he had been down in a revival meeting and uh, saw me pitch. He said, wanted me to come up. I think that was the trick to get me up there. But that's not the point. The point is, while I was there, I got to, to meet Dr. Lee Robinson, uh, Tennessee Baptist Temple, the founder and president of that college, and spend time with Dr. Lee Robertson and hear him preach a famous sermon, Some Golden Daybreak. And he even has a book with that title, Some Golden Daybreak, Jesus Will Come. Boy, I tell you, that'll be, the, <laughs> that'll be the end of all of our troubles and trials. And until then, however, uh, we all have to struggle with life as it is. That's the price of living in a, in a fallen world. And I thank God for the privilege of being able to live and to serve the Lord. Two weeks ago, I preached about the God of all grace. I can't think of a more wonderful, wonderful theme than that, to think of the grace of God. And last week I preached about the Father of mercies, and I want you to turn to that same verse this week, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, and uh, the Lord convinced me before Sunday night had ended last week that I ought to finish out that verse and to preach today about the God of all comfort. What I didn't know at that In other words, it's like that God knew what message that uh, I would need uh, at this time. And it, it's certainly true that uh, I can honestly say I need this message as much or more than anybody here in this congregation today. But make no mistake about it, sooner or later we will all need this message because all of us are going to encounter uh, trials that are taxing and burdens that are heavier than we can bear, suffering for which we need strength, and there will be circumstances that call for comfort. And the good news is that we have God's promise of provision, whatever the need is. And knowing that, that these promises come from God, who has unlimited power, He has infinite wisdom, unending love, and it's manifested through his mercy and through his grace, we can't help but be confident of the comfort that he has given us the promise of. Now, comfort, we think of something different than when this word was translated into the King James in 1611 because the meaning of the word in fact you go back to the original Greek word itself it meant a lot more than just giving someone a pat on the back or a word of cheer you know that turns a frown into a smile this is much more than the kind of comfort that we think now that kind of comfort comes along with it but the the major meaning of this particular word 
has to do with it provides the help that we need. In other words, it, it puts steel in our backbone. It strengthens us whenever our knees are sagging. It, it is the thing that doesn't just encourage us. It's the thing that enables us to keep going on. And we all need that. And Paul is writing to a people that have experienced problems. In fact, even divisions in the church and all kinds of various needs. And he says, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Every pastor has the responsibility to help people keep their focus where it should be. And that, that's not easy. Uh, for one thing, some people, you know, they don't know what they need, and some people don't know what they, you know, what they uh, want out of life. And either way, it's a struggle. And uh, the point is that we need to keep our focus on Christ, looking unto Jesus. Why? Because He's the Father of mercies. He's the God of all comfort. And if anyone knew about the need of comfort, it was the Apostle Paul. You'll remember that. Right after Paul was saved, and to me this is amazing because we would think that having just been saved, and instead the Lord sent someone and said, I want you to tell him what great things he's going to have to suffer for me. So Paul knew from the get-go that life wasn't going to be easy, and it certainly wasn't, especially if you just look over to chapter number 4, we see here that Paul spoke about, these are the words he uses, about being troubled and perplexed and persecuted and cast down. And yet, in spite of all of that, he found comfort. He was troubled, but he was not distressed. He tells us that he was perplexed, but he was not in despair. He was persecuted, but he was not deserted by God. He was cast down, but he was not destroyed. In fact, he was so comforted he tells us in chapter 7, verse 4, I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. Isn't that amazing? Exceeding joyful in all of our tribulation. Why, you would think he had just won the lottery. And here's somebody that has been beaten, someone that has been despised, somebody that has been deprived in spite of all of these things. Everything seemingly going wrong, and Paul says that I have exceeding joy in all of my tribulation. Some folks would say that's not just amazing. They would say it's absolutely impossible. How could anyone have such an attitude when they are so afflicted as that? And as, as surprising as this is, we Christians should not be surprised by it. Did not Jesus promise his disciples that he would provide comfort for them? He did on several instances there in the upper room as he met with them. He told them the world's going to hate you. You'll be despised. But he says that uh, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And they were getting ready to face his crucifixion. And in their mind, what are we going to do now? We have followed him, depended upon him, looked to him for every single need for these three years. Now, what are we going to do now? And the Lord is reassuring them. It doesn't make any difference how bad it gets. 
You're going to find comfort through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And listen, we can expect the same thing also. He is the God of all comfort. As we look at this verse, in fact, if we look on down through to verse number 11, we find four things here in regards to this that I want you to think about this morning. When you think of him being the God of all comfort, I want you to think about what God permits. I want you to think about what God promises, what God provides. And also, I want you to think about what God purposes. What's the purpose? What is the plan? What's the idea behind it all? But notice, first of all, what God permits. And notice that the context of this verse has to do with tribulation. It's all about, as I, as I just read a few moments ago, there in chapter 4. It, it's all to do with the suffering and the difficulties that they're going through. And that's why I say we shouldn't be surprised because we have such great difficulties in this life. Job said, man, this born of woman is a few days and what? Full of trouble. And Jesus told them from the get-go, he said, in this world you will have tribulation. So no one is exempt. And there's nobody that can, that can give enough of themselves, that can do enough work for the Lord, be faithful enough to in some way earn a spot to where you never have to suffer in this world. That's just not going to happen. In fact, some of the very best people have suffered the most. In fact, the reason some of the best people have suffered the most is because it made them the best people. We Listen, that is something that we absolutely cannot do without. But just as the potter takes the clay and forms it and shapes it into a vessel uh, that pleases him, God does the same thing with our troubles and our trials in this life. There's always a purpose behind it. And when you are in the fires of affliction, you need to remember Who's holding the thermostat? Who's controlling the heat? The one that is in charge, and that is the God of all comfort. Indeed, God does permit these things to happen. As I said, we live in a fallen world, and we ought to be thankful for every drop of water we drink, every bite of food we eat, every, every bit of air that we breathe. Everything we have comes as a result of His grace. Amen. We don't earn any of it. I've often thought about, you know, some of these children in certain parts of the world that literally were born in a war zone. I mean, from the moment they were born, there was war raging around them. And by the time they're 20 years old, they're living in that kind of an atmosphere. And any mercies they receive during that time is something that ought to be delightful to the soul. And I want you to know that we... We were born into a world that is a war zone. This is not a playhouse. This is a war zone. And the God of this world has waged war against the God of heaven. And you and I are caught up in it. We don't deserve anything. And yet, and yet, God is so gracious, so good. And we see here what God permits even to men like the great apostle Paul, who suffered so much. But notice what he promises, and we see that in the word comfort. 
That is found 10 times here in verses 3 to verse number 7. It's mentioned 10 different times. It speaks about one who stands alongside of to help. It comes from the Greek word paraclete, which is the same word that when the Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit being our comforter, that's the same word. It's exactly the same thought. The Holy Spirit does not just whisper words of comfort in our ear. He comes alongside of us to help. He's there to hold us up when we're about to fall down. He's there to get us up when we have fallen down. He's there at every moment of our life. And it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit that keeps us going. And this is the comfort that, that the Lord is, has promised us. It's more than sympathy. It means that we are strengthened in our time of need. We see examples of that throughout the Bible. I, I, I can't think of this subject without thinking about Hagar out there, a mother in despair. Well, what, a, what a horrible thing to see her out there. Uh, and you know the story, or you should. And, and uh, Abraham thought he knew more than God. Sarah thought she knew more than either one of them. And, and they devised this plan where they could have a child. And so... Here's Abraham that has uh, impregnated uh, Hagar, and she's out there crying out for help under a tree. Seemingly nobody there to be with her. A mother in despair, and the God of comfort came to her and reassured her and helped her to understand, look, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to make something out of it. I'm going to get you through it. And then we think about Moses. Here's a man in distress. And we think about what all he went through. And the times that he was ready to quit. He wanted to resign. I mean, he was throwing up his hands in despair because the people not only rebelled against God, they rebelled against the man. Over again, God, the God of all comfort, rescued him from his distress and then, of course, there is Paul. He's a, he's a messenger who is in doubt. Even the Apostle Paul had momentary doubts in his life. I'm not talking about doubting whether or not he had ever trusted the Lord as his Savior. I'm talking about doubts related to the things that he ought to do in life. I, I remember as a young preacher, I, I used to think that every invitation to preach came from God. And boy, I took advantage of it. All, if you want me to preach, all you had to do is invite me, and I, I was off, put it on the calendar. And, and then all of a sudden, we, one time I had three different churches wanting me to come preach a revival at the, during the same week. And I realized, oh, wait a minute, God can't be in all of these. You know, I've got to eliminate, you know, I've got to eliminate two of them. And, and the point is that we all, like Paul, Think about his travels. This guy doesn't have a jet airplane to go from place to place. Doesn't have a helicopter to drop him down over here in some little village. He doesn't have an automobile to drive. I mean, it was rough, dangerous traveling. And there are times that for a moment at least that Paul was doubtful as to which step to take, what trail to follow, what to do. And yet... And yet God was always there to give him the comfort that he needed to keep him going. So we see these examples. 
But to me, the wonderful thing about this is that we see the extent, the extent of, notice the word all, I've underlined it. Notice the word all and any, where he says that, you know, in all of our tribulation and any trouble, all our tribulation and any trouble. That's going back to what he says here in the first chapter, verse 4, who comforted us in, in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort others also in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Amen. And so here we find that regardless, regardless of, the, of the problem, the extent, reaches out, it takes in absolutely everything. Regardless of the number, regardless of the nature of the difficulty, God is theirs. The psalmist said that God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in trouble. So when we're sick, we can go to the God of all comfort who is what? He's the great physician. We're, when we're impoverished, we find that he is our provider. When we are lonely and it seems like nobody cares, we find that we have a friend in Jesus. When we're hated and despised, he loves us with an everlasting love. Whenever, you know, it, it seems like that I've sinned and that I'm just far even beyond the forgiveness of anyone, God reminds me of his willingness to forgive me and to cleanse me from every sin. And listen, even when we come down there to the valley of the shadow of death and we realize that our time is limited here upon the earth and the doctors have said, I've done all I can do, and we're trying to sort all of that out in our mind and deal with that great difficulty, we find that he is the great shepherd that leads us and cares for us. Aren't you glad that you have these promises that you can hang your hat on, these promises that you can depend upon in, in, in the time of need. And then we see, thirdly, what God does, and that is that he provides. He's the God of all comfort. He's the Father of mercies. He's the God of grace. I mean, that, that's provision right there, whatever it is. But understand that God provides, but he does so in three ways. Actually, he does so in more than three ways, but there's three main ways, avenues, that God provides for us. First of all, the Scripture. Look, this was no ordinary letter that Paul was sending to the church at Corinth. Amen. It was given by the inspiration of God. And, and, and that's true of all of, of the of the Bible, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, to from the first verse to the very last verse, it all came by the inspiration of God himself, and it enlightens our mind, it encourages our heart, it empowers us as nothing else can do. As Paul said in Romans 15, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Amen. Aren't you glad that you can have hope? You, you say, yeah, but preacher, you don't know what my circumstances are. I, I don't need to. Hope is possible. You can have a confidence that God is in control of everything. That's why the psalmist said, this is my comfort in my affliction 
for thy word hath quickened me. That is, made me alive, made me come to life. And boy, when you feel down and out and nowhere to turn and it seems like you can't take another step and you can't go on, I beg you, get in the word of God. So many times people want to talk about, you know, their state of mind and what they're feeling and all of their problems and their difficulties. Let me tell you, if you're not spending quality time in the word of God, you might as well expect that. Don't expect God to deliver you from your depression and your morbidity and all of these difficulties that's going on if you don't spend time in his word. It, the scriptures, they have a way of bringing life to those that feel like giving up. And then there's the spirit, not just the scriptures, but the spirit himself. Remember in John 14, here they are in the upper room and the Lord said, they think they're thinking in their mind he's leaving and we're losing we're losing what are we going to do now and he said in essence don't worry about it i'm going to send you another comforter yeah. another comforter and that is the holy spirit yeah. and he assured them of the spirit's presence and the spirit's power how he would provide their every need and and every one of us Every one of us is in need of an attitude of dependence upon the Spirit of God. I think sometimes we Baptists kind of forget that, don't we? We're afraid, we're scared to death. Somebody's going to call us a holy roller if we shout or raise our hands or get happy in the Lord. And, and, and we, we just, some way we got it in our mind that if we're smart enough and we try hard enough, we can get this done. No, no, not really. Because as the Bible tells us, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The spirit of God has to empower everything we do for it to be effective. It's not for a preacher. It's not how well he articulates his message. It's not him being a great orator. It's not him... Uh, striving hard and using wonderful illustrations and sob stories and all of that. Listen, the Lord, if he could speak through Balaam's ass and get the message across, he can take some old country hick and use him in a way that will bring others to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's, it's the Spirit of God that's working in him, you see. And that way, God does it for a reason, because that way God gets the glory. Nobody can say, boy, what a, what a genius he is or how wonderful he is. No, no, it's all because of God and what he does by his spirit, you see. And every one of us needs to live every day of our life realizing that we are dependent on God's spirit. That's why Paul says, be ye filled with the spirit. Bring your life into, into alignment with him. Be controlled by him. But then if we looked in chapter number 7, in fact, we actually see it here in verse 4 that I read just a moment ago. We see that God provides comfort not only through the scripture and by the spirit, but also by the saints. He tells us that God comforteth us in all of our tribulation. Why? that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. How are we going to do that? Notice, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. 
I wrote an article some time ago. Uh, the title of it was The Saints Beside Me. That God uses people to help people. You know, we think about Abraham and he said, I'm going to bless you, but I'm blessing you so that you can bless others. And we have been blessed to bless. And we can't, listen, we can't serve God unless we're willing to minister to others. And some of my greatest blessings and my fondest memories have had to do with uh, the way that God used other people to help me. Just Amen. the other day, Bev reminded me of the fellow that used some dead uh, hogs to help me get a set of dentures. Boy, when I was first pastoring, every tooth in my head was rotten. I, I mean, rotten down to the gums. They'd grown over. I'd lived all of my life. I'd never... I, at the dentist one time, and he told my mom, he said, get this kid out of here, literally. Told, I can't do anything with him. I was screaming and punching and flailing about, and I never went to the dentist again, so I was in pain. My jaw swollen up with abscessed teeth. We had an Indian fella in the church, and George Eagle was his name, and he had, I, I believe it was, I don't know, 10 or 11 acres and that guy sold a couple of the acres of it and took, he had raised pigs out there and butchered some of those pigs and sold them and brought me the money and said, here, I want you to go get your teeth fixed. God used him to do that. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a big deal to you, but believe me, if you was in the pain that I was going through at that time and you had to, you know, go through that, it's a big deal. And I could go on and on for the next hour talking about over and over again, God has used people. People, I can look out there right now, I could start calling names of people that God has used to help me and help my family and, and to help others. And look, that's what we're supposed to do. God has blessed us that we can be a blessing to others. He has comforted us so we can be a comfort to others. So God... The God of all comfort provides. He promises and he permits things into our life that will require us to depend upon him. But then finally, I want you to notice God's purposes. God has a purpose in everything that he permits. Nothing happens by accident. Everything happens is either allowed by the Lord or is appointed by the Lord. He either lets it happen or he makes it happen, one of the two. And every trial, if you read here in verse 4 down through verse 11, that word that is used three times. And every time you see that word used, it's introducing, it's introducing He says, first of all, to assist others, as I just read in verse number one, right? In other words, God allows us to be subjected to trials. He comforts us. Why? So we can be a comfort to others. So whatever you're going through at the time, as much as you resent it, as much as you despise it, and you would have never, ever chosen it for yourself, God's letting that happen to use you in some way so that you can be of a service to somebody else 
And, and our trials ought to be a wake-up call. In other words, our experiences should cause to turn our mistakes and our miseries into a ministry. So many times people fall flat on their face spiritually, and usually the first thing they think of is, I'm not even going back to church. I'm ashamed to face those people. You know, I'm, I've so embarrassed myself. I, I, I don't want to deal, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I just, you know, there's no way to correct it. It's just too bad. It's a terrible, horrible mistake. And they just give up. Let me tell you a better idea. You take those mistakes and you turn them into a ministry to help others that are making that same mistake. And it might be your misery. It might be that's the thing that is tempting you to give up. Just throw in the towel. You're so beaten down by the trials of life. Don't quit. Don't quit. There are people that need you. Turn your miseries into a ministry for others. But not only, not only does he purpose in our heart that we ought to assist others. But look at verse 8 and 9. Also to avoid self-confidence. He says in verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver us, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. There's your salvation in three tenses. That is the, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he is yet to do. Here was Paul. I mean, you talk about someone that if anybody ever had reason to boast, it would have been him. When you think about the way that God used him and all of the ways that God had blessed him. And, uh, and yet the Lord said, look, I, I'm not going to let you fall into that trap of becoming proud and confident in yourself. And he subjected him to these great trials that he might depend upon God rather than himself. You see, these trials, these tribulations compel us to seek God for help. And whenever we do so, that's whenever we receive the comfort that God alone can give. Nobody else can provide. Oh, you can go to your neighbor. You can go to your friend. You can go to the saints in the church. They love you dearly. They would help you any way they possibly could. I've had people over and over again, preacher, if there's anything that we can do, please tell us. We're, we we want to help any way that we can. And I know they mean it, and they would. But let me tell you, there's some things in life that nobody can help you with but God. He's the God of all comfort. And to avoid self-confidence, God has to sometimes subject us to the difficulties of life. But then there's another reason, actually, actually maybe a better reason. Look at verse 10 and 11 again. He delivered us, he says, from, from so great a death and doth deliver us in whom we trust. Now, here it is. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Do you get it? 
he's telling them that the purpose behind all of this was to appreciate God's blessings. That's the main thing in, in everything we're talking about. That's God's purpose in allowing things. That's God's purpose in delivering us from those things that he allows. And that is that in the end that he'll receive the glory from it. That's why we exist. That's why you'll be able to take another breath. That's why that you'll be here tomorrow, hopefully. You exist on this earth for that purpose. And that's true of every single one of us. We never, ever reach the point that, you know, that, that we've got it so together that we don't need God. And one of the best lessons that we can learn is that it's not about us. It's not about us, you know. We, we're just on this, on this search for happiness and pleasure in this life. And for some people, that's the only thing they think of. It's the only thing that's important. But you don't exist in this world for the purpose of trying to achieve happiness. That's something that some folks, it's time that they got it right, that they realize it's not about you. It's about God. It's not about now. It's about later. What God is doing later down the road and how God's going to use these things in your life and there's not a person on earth that doesn't need the kind of comfort that God is offering here. The comfort that is explained and exemplified repeatedly in the Bible. You know, what I can, what I can do is to stand up here and tell you the facts. I can give you the facts. I can read the verses. And, and I might even be able to you know, to explain what some of the verses mean and relate it to the rest of the Bible and what have you. I, and in other words, uh, I, I can give you the information and sometimes even get your attention, but the one thing that I cannot do is to cause you to love God so dearly, to have such affection for God that you will pledge your allegiance to God. I can't make you do that. I can't force you. We can come down to the end of the message like we do every Sunday and say, would you all please stand? We're going to give an invitation. I can't control that. I can dispense the information, but, but I'm not in control of what happens. Look, if I cause it to happen, it's not worth a plug nickel. It's when God causes it to happen. It's when the Holy Spirit moves upon the heart of people and uses the word of God to reach down into the depths of their heart and convict them of their sin and show them their needs and bring them to their knees and they repent and turn to God. That's when something of eternal value really happens. Now, in light of all of this, I, I want to close with one final verse, and that's over in Hebrews 13, verse 6, where he says, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. Now, that's what we're talking about, remember, when we talk about comfort. We're talking about his help, the strength that he imparts, the courage that he gives. The one comes alongside and keeps us going. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's the answer to whatever the problem is, folks. Amen. Whatever it is. So, let me ask you, what is it that troubles your heart this morning? 
It might be some difficulties that you're facing. What's the answer? You can say it. The Lord is my helper. It might be that some defeat that you've experienced in your life recently. What's the answer? The Lord is my helper. It might be depression that's dragging you down, 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 deeper every day. What's the answer? The Lord is my helper. It might be dissension with someone else. It might be your spouse or your children or your neighbor. But the answer is what? The Lord is my helper. It might be direction for your life. It might be the depletion of your strength. It might be disease. Someday, someday it will be death itself. What is the answer? The Lord is my helper. There you have the answer for every single need in your life. The Lord is my helper. I love what the psalmist said in Psalms 94. He said, in the multitude of my thoughts within me. Let me tell you, all week long I've been thinking about our text verse for today. The God, the God of all comfort. And the psalmist said, in the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Thy comforts delight my soul. I, I'm so glad that, uh, again, the Lord, I think, was in it, that the very first song today was Victory in Jesus. I don't know why Tim selected that. I didn't ask him to sing it today. As I said in the article this week, that was my very first favorite Christian song. And I had good reason for saying that. And as strange as it is, I've often told you about I started my preaching in a little rescue mission on Main Street in Springfield, Missouri. Those are down and out. Guess what the name of it was? Victory. The Victory Rescue Mission. I'm so glad there's victory for whatever it is you're facing today. And it's your choice because God's not going to force you against his will. Whatever the problem is, the answer is the Lord is my helper. And you can leave here today rejoicing. It might be that you just had to drag yourself in. You didn't feel like coming. You didn't want to come. But you're here. And it might be when we started, you thought to myself, I'll be glad when this is over and I can get out of here. But now, now, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God has been speaking to your heart about the need in your life. And all of a sudden, it's like a light bulb come on. And you begin to realize the Lord is my helper. Yeah. He's my helper. He's going to, he brought you to it and he's going to get you through it. Glory. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. If you trust him, would you do that today while we all stand? Father, use your word to do what we can't possibly do. Use your word to accomplish your will in our lives. Lord, I just pray that you'll speak to each and every one of us about some area of our life that you might be pleased to change and transform us and to make us into vessels that are fit for the master's use. Especially today, if there's one here that's unsaved, may this be the day that they put their faith in the shed blood and saving grace of Christ. And they can leave here rejoicing, knowing that there's a new name written down. 
and their sins are forgiven and their home is heaven and their helper is the Holy Spirit. And they can rely upon your promises until we stand in the promised land and fall on our face and give you the praise and honor and glory for all that you've done. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come while we sing this morning? <laughs>